Good morning, Olive Tree. It's um, really good to all be together today, and I know we're not all together, but you are at home and watching online, but I'm still grateful that, uh, that uh, I get to share with you today, and that even though you're in your lounges, uh, we get to share in God's Word, and we get to uh, just be encouraged after what has been a little bit of a crazy year, I think is a bit of an understatement. Um, and I've had the opportunity the last couple of days just to get away, and, and I hope for a few of you that Wednesday last week or Friday was the end of your year and you were able to go and leave. I know a lot of people have started to get away. Um, and I felt just over the last few days, like I got on holiday and I was buzzing the first day and could feel the adrenaline from the year still in me. And slowly as that uh, dissipated, I felt that I've had an opportunity in the last couple of days just to be able to start to reflect and look back on what has been a wild year um, and, and the opportunity to really reflect and to, to, to just pause around how have, I, how have I handled this year, how have I responded to it, and what are the things that I've learned and that I get to take into, into 2022. And in preparing for today and thinking about uh, that, that, that um, song that we sing at Christmas time, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. I think that all, a lot of people here is a weary world, um, that we're tired and we've been through a lot and we have decision fatigue and, and now we're going through it again in another wave. Um, but today, despite all of that, I'm gonna talk about hope. And I feel like if I could look through the camera lens into your lounges at home, I'd see a lot of eyes rolling back and the cynics in you kind of going, come on, you know, what is there to hope for after the 18 months that we've had? I don't even, I don't even want to know what 2022 looks like. But I want to start today and, and ask us two questions. The first one is, who's looking forward to 2022? And I think if we were together in the room, we'd see some hands shoot up. And that's for the people who just want to get out of 2021. It's been that bad that you just, anything new, anything different to what you've been through this year. And... Um, and maybe some of you are a little bit like me where you're prepared to dip your big toe into the waters of January just to have a look, but I'm not too sure and I might just want to retreat back into 2021. Um, but secondly, and, and most importantly, the question that I really want to ask today is, is what or who do you hope in? And that's a question that I ask myself and, and I ask it to us today because I felt that as I've had the chance to to spend a few days looking back at this year, I've really had the chance to be honest with my own heart and to interrogate my heart. And, and what I've found is that often a lot of the things that I think is hope is actually misplaced hope. And, and it's not really hope at all. And it's, it's aligning my heart and latching my heart onto things that I think will, will bring me something new or the ability to endure, but, but it's actually misplaced. And I was thinking, you know, what's a good example of this? And then I thought, I'm gonna get really vulnerable with you and share a little story. Um, I think it was a COVID thing, maybe it was being locked down, but I decided I just needed to get into trail running over the last 18 months just to, to get out of the claustrophobia of COVID and being at home. Um, and so I started doing more and more trail running, uh, and then I decided to do an ultra trail run. So an ultra is anything over 42 Ks, and I entered the ultra trail Drakensberg in April this year. I entered the 62-kilometer race, which I thought was quite noble, and then I found out that there was a 160-kilometer event happening at the same time and realized that I was doing the fun run. Uh, but I, I decided, look, I'm going to go for it. I, physically, I had a few injuries, but I just thought, look, I can get through the pain. The thing that was worrying me the most was nutrition, because I worked out and having spoken to people that I would be not climbing hills but mountains and that this thing was going to take me about 10 hours. So I was worried about keeping calories in and, and keeping electrolytes in my body. Um, and so I did a whole lot of research, and then I came across this wonder product called Tailwind. 
Uh, and I started to read up about it, and it's uh, made by trail runners, for trail runners. It comes out of Colorado, a big trail running community. I promise you I'm not a paid ambassador. I just really believe in the product. Um, and I started to get a lot of hope in this thing. I, I believed that this product would get me through and give me all the nutrition I needed. However, on the Wednesday before the race, I woke up that morning, and something in my brain just triggered that I was going to get cramp. And I thought, I need to deal with cramp. Uh, Tailwind won't do that. So I went to Sportsman's and I bought salt tablets. And I read the pack and it said, take a salt tablet on the hour during exercise. What I didn't read, the fine print, is that if you're doing endurance exercise, you shouldn't take that many. So I am pleased to tell you that I got to the finish line um, and Tailwind carried me through. But I did spend two hours after the race in an ambulance on a drip for extreme dehydration as a result of the salt tablets. And it's so interesting how sometimes we can latch our heart onto something and align our heart for something that gives us hope. But a decision on the side or an external event can derail us. And the thing that we thought was hope becomes misplaced hope. And maybe something a little bit closer to home for some of you. I don't know how many of you have heard of Oli the Owl. Well, this is something that my wife and I place deep hope in this year. We have a two and a half year old, um, and when he turned about two in August, we, uh, we just were done with waking up at Hoppers Four every morning, and I know a lot of parents uh, share the early morning pain, um, and we heard about Oli the Owl, and the idea behind Oli is that um, when you put your kid to bed, we'd set the clock for the next morning at 5 a.m., and we'd say to Cam, our boy, we'd say, boy, when, when the light's off, it's, it's night time and you stay asleep, but when the light comes on, it's morning time, it's five o'clock, you can call mom and dad and we'll come through. Okay, so night, night, Ollie, the hour, night, night, it's Dudu's time, in the morning when Ollie comes on, you wake up, and it never worked. But we went to bed every night with hope that Ollie the R was going to come through for us and he would sleep later, and he never did, and the pain continues. Um, and while these might be you know, superficial and, and slightly humorous examples, I started to realize that we do this with a lot of stuff in our life, misplaced hope. I remember talking to people around the time of the riots in July this year, and you talk to like those slightly more optimistic people who are like, oh, you know, this is just a blip in our history, we'll get through this. And then you talk to them a little bit more and you realize that they've got a British passport. And you realize that their hope is in a British passport, not in a God who can restore our, our city and our country. And that their heart is latched onto their passport because it can get them out of here and that's keeping them optimistic. And what about Sunday evenings, our family meetings, when the president comes up at eight o'clock um, and, and we, we, we attach our hearts onto the hope that he might give us a message that makes restrictions a little bit easier for our business. He might say something that means that we're able to, to travel and, and to be able to see family and people we haven't seen for a long time. We place our hope in the message of a man or, or into leadership who's able to, to do something for us. And for others of us, it might just be the hope that you get to have that conversation with your boss about just a slight increase next year to create a little bit more margin in your budget. Just make month to month a little bit easier or a promotion that, that you feel you need just to give you that room. And for others, it's just hope and normality. Just if I can just get back to what we were like before, my mental health issues will improve. I just need to get back on an even keel. And we attach our hearts to, to, to these things and we place hope in these things. And I think that if we're really honest with ourselves, and, and I realize just thinking through myself, that often the things that we hope for is, is hoping for the external environment around us to change. For things around us to change to make life slightly easier, slightly more comfortable for ourselves. But the reality is that these things are not, nece are not necessarily hope at all. Sometimes it's wishful thinking, 
Sometimes it's just optimism. Sometimes it's just nice thoughts. These are things that we want, and we think that they hope, but they're not hope. And I spoke to somebody the other day, and she was just telling me what a difficult time she's had this year with her business, and relationally it's been really hard. And she said something almost just by the by, and almost humorously, and she said, oh, 2022 is just going to be hopeless, with a smile on her face. Um, and and the, that word hopeless really stuck with me, because I really thought about it, and I thought the reality is, and even for those of us who... Um, who are really feeling on the extreme of your mental health being challenged, and it has been a really difficult time, that we don't go into 2022 hopeless. We go into 2022 with hope. We're going to hope in something. We're going to hope in someone. But so often what we find is that we are misplacing our hope in things that are, are, are going to change what we think is good around us, and the external needs to shift so that if just this changes, I'll be better off. But it is an ultimate hope. And when we read the Bible, we see something completely different. And Peter is sitting in prison and he writes about Jesus that it is a living hope. That this, the hope that we have in the Bible, a living hope, is a hope of substance. It has weight to it. It is a life-giving hope. It is able to enable us to endure despite the most difficult times. In Hebrews, hope is described as an anchor for the soul. And what I find so interesting is the more I read about hope in the Bible... The more, I, the more I realize that hope is not connected to the external environment changing. Hope is connected to me being able to change on the inside despite what is happening around me. And that God doing a work in me that enables me to endure despite whatever challenge we face. And so today is a celebration five or six days before Christmas that we don't have a floating hope. I don't know how many of you remember the 90s Sandra Bullock movie called Float Hopes. Well, our hope does not float, tossed by the waves and the wind as difficulty and trouble comes, but our hope is an anchor for the soul that is gripped tightly to the bottom so that our vessel is stable, that we are able to plow through whatever waves can come our way. And I think the thing about hope is that we only find that we really need it when, when things around us get more difficult. Like when you go fishing and the, wave get, the wind gets up and the waves start rising ab about you, it's when you realize, flip, we need to put the anchor down. And when things get difficult is when we realize we need hope. And Charles Spurgeon, he says it so beautifully. He says that hope itself is like a star. It is not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the nights of adversity. And I think for a lot of people, this has been a long night of adversity over the last 2021, over the last 18 months probably two years now. But what you're finding is that the longer we go through the challenges that we face, that the stars of hope that you placed and set your heart on are starting to fade. And that there's this realization so often that when we go through things and realize that when we go through difficult things, it's, it's when we recognize that we need hope, that, that actually our hope has been misplaced. And I find that, that, that the seasons of greatest growth that I have often come through, through the most difficult times. And that maybe these are not seasons that we would choose to go through, but they are the ones that we get the most out of. And that we have to sometimes learn things the hard way. Um, and that this is not the nicest of messages to hear, but often it is the truth, particularly about hope. And that to truly understand the meaning of hope and what it means to be anchored, to be alive, to have hope in what is not yet seen, that we have to live through something difficult in order to understand that. 
In Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl was uh, a psychologist um, who uh, did a lot of research pre-World War II and then was put in multiple concentration camps in World War II and eventually ended up in Auschwitz. And uh, his whole family um, uh, was killed in Auschwitz. And when he came out on the other side, he then practiced in psychology for, for decades after that. And he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning. And there's a paragraph that really stands out for me. It says that it is one of the basic tenets of logotherapy, which is the study of man's search for meaning, that man's main concern is not to gain pleasure or avoid pain, but rather to see a meaning in his life. That is why man is even ready to suffer on the condition and to be sure that his suffering has a meaning. And so we can reflect on the last 18 months as individuals and as a community and as a church and go, what a waste. It's the two or three years I'll never get back. You know, we went through this weird thing, this pandemic. We'll tell our kids about it one day, but what a waste of my time. It just caused pain. Or we can say that in the midst of difficulty and pain and challenge, that God did something significant in my soul, that God did something significant in my faith and something significant in my hope, and that there is difficulty around us and challenge around us, but there is meaning in the difficulty and what we are going through. And then what if this season, despite how hard it is and, and, and how much pain it has caused, might be the most significant moments in your faith journey in your life to come that gives you something deeper in your faith and deeper in your hope that whatever you go through in the future and to the people around you who witness your faith, they see something different and this is the season that God is gonna be doing that. And so all is not lost, that there is a meaning within the pain and the suffering that we have been going through. And I, and I want to say today that whatever you have been through, and in this community, we've seen it all. We've seen financial loss and business loss and people who have lost loved ones and high stress and anxiety and a lot of mental health challenge. And I really don't say any of these, these things flippantly. My, my worst is to be in church and to hear somebody go through a list of difficult things and undermine what I'm going through. I, I'm not at all undermining. These things are real things that we've been through. But I want to reassure you today that God is not the reason that these things have happened, but that God is at work in your life and God is able to give you hope through these things. And there is a greater hope and there is a greater meaning to the season that you're going through than what you think. You think it's just pain, but I believe that God is doing something in your faith and in your hope that gives you the, the patience and the ability to endure what is still ahead of you in your life. And there is more beyond that, which we'll get into in a second. And so Christmas, in the five or six days ahead of us, and as we get to Christmas Eve and Christmas next weekend, it's a season of hope. But uh, as I said, for a lot of people, that, that might be ringing hollow today. And, and you might just be sitting in your lounge, your family going, not, not today, Matt. I wasn't ready for a message of hope today. But this season of Christmas is, is to celebrate that hope has come into the world. And not just that it has come or who it, is, who it has come from, but the context through which it came is so important for us to understanding hope. Because we take heart from the difficulty and the uncertainty that surrounded the birth of Jesus and the circumstances through which God chose to send his son into the world. I don't know if you guys have had these moments over the last 18 months, but I've had a few of them. When I've woken up in the middle of the night and I've told the story, not out loud, but in my head, and I've said, I'm living through a pandemic where there's a virus that I can't see or touch that has affected the whole world, brought it to a standstill, put people in their houses and made everybody work at home. And what the hang am I living through? Like these moments where your head feels like it's swimming. 
And I'm sure if there were people in the room, they would nod their head and agree that they've had those moments. And then I start to read in Luke 2 and in the gospel about the story of Jesus and where it started with Joseph and Mary. And I think about Joseph walking around, waking or waking up in the middle of the night and going, my fiance, who is a virgin, is pregnant and she is, had a baby conceived by the Holy Spirit. And what the hang am I living through? Like, you know, we think we're living through these moments of swimming, of swimming head moments, and Joseph is going, well, what is this? And then we're living through the season of, 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 of social media pressure and cancel culture and just, you know, people feeling uncertain you should even post something because you just don't know what the world's going to say. The world is so sensitive around social issues. And then you put up a picture on Instagram, and you don't know if you're going to get flamed for it or praised for it, and we just see this happening in society around us. And then you look at Mary walking around in her community, pregnant, engaged, a virgin, telling people that an angel of the Lord came to me and told me that I'm gonna give birth to the Savior of the world. Like, what kind of social pressure was Mary going through? What was she facing? Like, there's not too much difference between the world that Jesus came into and, and the world that we're living in today. And what about uncertainty? What about the messages from, from our president on a Sunday night and not knowing the change and restrictions? What about not knowing if we're gonna get to Christmas and get to be with our families on Saturday because of Omicron. I read a tweet last night that said that getting through Omicron for the 10 days before Christmas should be considered an adrenaline sport, and it 100% should be, because, you know, who have I come into contact with, and were they positive, and should I isolate, and this thing that we, this, this decision fatigue we've been going through is back. And then you've got Joseph and Mary coming into Bethlehem. She's heavily pregnant. She has to find a place to give birth. There's uncertainty around whether they can find somewhere. It's not dissimilar to just not knowing. The uncertainty of what is around the corner, the next thing, the next day, the next moment. And then we hope that our governments are making the right decisions for us. They're making the right calls. We've got pharma companies. We've got mandatory vaccines being debated. And there's this opinion and this view and reading about all these things about authorities. And then you realize that Jesus is born into a world. And when he's born, there's a mandate from Herod that every boy under the age of two is to be murdered because Jesus is a threat to the throne. And they don't know where Jesus is, and so you've got to kill every boy under two. And you read that in the context of which Jesus was born, and you go, I'll take load shedding. Like, if that's what my government's giving me, I'll take load shedding. I'll take our failed rail network. <laughs> when you read around the, the government control and the issues that, that were going on at the time. And what we realize is that God did not choose to bring his son into the world in ideal and a perfect circumstances. He brought his son into the world amidst a chaotic environment. And Christianity was quite literally born into a difficulty and uncertainty. And so my cautious warning to you this week is that the danger we can make as we lead up into, into Christmas Eve and into Christmas is that we sanitize the Christmas story and that we make it about mince pies and carols and Christmas trees and gifts at home. And we set up our little nativity scene with the animals and the shepherds and the wise men and we think of this cuddly, family, warm event. And it is that, and it's all those good things, and celebrate those things this week, but don't sanitize the environment or the event to which Jesus came into the world and the environment that God sends his son into. Because if we don't recognize how difficult it was, we, ne we don't recognize that hope was needed. If Jesus came into a perfect world, there was no need for him. He chose to come into an environment of chaos and disorder and uncertainty because it meant that when people saw him come, they realized that he was the hope of the world. And we only know that this is a story of hope because of that environment. And it feels a little bit today with Twitter 
and the information overload and News 24 on our phone and just endless information, we come to the conclusion that humanity is getting worse. Things are getting worse. The world is coming to an end. And then I go to the Bible and I go backwards and I don't look at what everybody's saying is gonna get worse forwards and I see the same thing generation after generation. Human beings making mistakes and making bad decisions. And there's different times and different generations and different challenges, but it all starts to point to there being one solution and one savior and one hope. And so there is not too much difference between the world that God sends his son into and the world that we're living in right now. And so the same hope that was recognized at the time that Jesus came into the world is the very same hope that we still need today. And so what kind of hope do we have? We read in Hebrews 11 verse one, it says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, it is the evidence of things not seen. And it really is natural for all of us to, to go through periods of difficulty and place our hope and our faith in some kind of substance. But it's placing it in the substance that needs to be the difference for us. And I think as we look ahead to 2022, for, for many of us, it will just be hoping for a more stable business environment. For many of you, it will be just hope for more financial prosperity again. And it's, it's this, this season, this 18 months, this 24 months has placed a lot of strain on relationships. Maybe for you, it's hope that, that there could be a repaired relationship, some restoration in a marriage or in a family, family relationship. Hope that you could travel overseas and see people that, uh, that you haven't been able to see for a long time and be reconciled again. I know for me, just reflecting over the last couple of days, my hope for next year is, my hope is for peace. I felt like 2021 happened to me. <laughs> I felt like it came at me, and I've lived through a lot of um, just uncertainty and hurry and, and being stressed and being anxious, and my hope is for peace for 2022. For some of us, it's hope that Omicron is the end. It's the beginning of the end. It's the variant getting milder that means that this thing becomes less of an issue in our life and we can just get back to some kind of normal. And all of these things, and none of them are bad. These are all good things. We hope for these things for the year in front of us. But when we break them down, they are all hoping for the external environment around us to change, for life just to get a little bit easier or a little bit more comfortable for me. But Hebrews 11 says that when our hope is rooted in faith and ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ, it is then that our hope becomes an anchor for our soul. When our faith is in the person of Christ, we get an anchor to who we are and we, we get a living hope. Our hope goes from being placed onto things that can fall away and stars that can fade onto something that is solid, something that can carry us through. And the story of Jesus coming into a broken and chaotic world was not necessarily to promise us order and a good, happy, comfortable life every day, I hate to tell you. It was to promise us two things. The first was to promise us that within the chaos and within the brokenness, that there would be an anchoring of our souls, that there would be new life to deferred hopes and dreams. He's described in the Christmas story as the Prince of Peace. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the everlasting God. And he offers us something far more than what this earth can give us. The promises that we read in the Bible in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for welfare, and not for evil, they are to give you a future and a hope. In Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And in Romans 1, verse five, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And so the promise is that whatever we will endure on this earth in our lifetime and the challenges and the difficulty and the uncertainty, he promises us the ability to endure and to get through as we hope in Jesus to help us. And he promises us a future and a hope. He promises that he will be faithful and he promises us peace. And I really wanna encourage you that as we get a chance, hopefully over the next week or two, just to quieten in your own spirit, to just consider the things and the people that you have placed hope in and to contrast it to what the Bible shows us generation after generation, a God faithfully coming back to his people, restoring hope and giving them the ability to endure difficulty time and again. And so his first promise is that whatever we go through, we will be able to endure because of him. And I do just wanna say today that I don't think God wants us just to stay in difficult places either. I really believe that he is able, able to perform miracles in the situation that you're in right now. I believe that he can physically heal you. I believe that he can bring financial prosperity to you. I believe that he can bring wholeness to where you are in your mental health and the challenge and stress that you've had. I really believe that he can do that. And it says in Romans 1 verse 5 that when he does that, that we're not just gonna live this difficult life, that there are times that we will break through and see some of heaven on earth. And it says that, that we get to have the hope of glory of God and we get those moments here on earth. But if difficulty does pursue, and if we are still walking through challenge, the hope of, and the glory of God is still something that we get to partake in because the second promise that we get by Jesus coming into this broken world and being the hope of the world is that there is hope and life into eternity and life beyond this world. That we get the hope of eternity to look forward to. When God brought Jesus into the world, the Israelites were living under tyrannical governments and they had been oppressed for generations and they were looking for a political savior to come and change the external environments around them and to make things better and, and to, to bring them a freedom. And we are not dissimilar and we look for things around us for short-term gratification and, and short-term relief from the thing that we're going through. And God said, yes, I can come and do that and I can remove the short term and I can get rid of the environment around you, but I'm gonna do something greater than that. I'm gonna bring my son into the world and I'm gonna deal with the thing that stands between you and me and that is sin. And I'm gonna come and bridge the divide and be able to reconcile all man to myself. And that story started at Christmas when Jesus came into the world. And so the hope of eternity began. And in 1 Peter 1 verse 3 it's an amazing scripture about this hope of eternity. Now, I just want to read it slowly so that we can take it in because it's, it's an amazing piece of scripture. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, it is undefiled and unfading. It is kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, and though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our promise 
is that we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading and kept in heaven for you. That is our hope. That is what God promises in the story of Christmas. And the, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, Rowan Williams, said that from eternity's perspective, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is a single event, and that started at Christmas. And so we don't just have this uh, story about this baby that came into the world, but actually the hope that we celebrate over the next seven days is not just about Jesus being born, it's about Jesus being born and living his life and dying the death on the cross that we should have been reconciling all of man back to himself so that ultimately we get the hope of eternity and the hope of glory to be with him. And I really want you to take, uh, just, just take hold of the fact today that eternity is not a consolation prize for a difficult life that we may live on earth. It is the prize. It is the end of the ultra marathon. It's the thing that we're shooting for, that we get to be with our heavenly Father who has come and reconciled him, ourselves to himself. And that in these two promises that we are promised that in this life we will endure, and the second promise is that we get to to have an eternity with God and to have that hope. And if we have lost loved ones, that we get to be reunited with them. And that we don't have this perspective that we've got the short time to get as much pleasure and gain as much as we can on this earth because it's finite. But that we get to live our lives with an internal hope that shines around us that people may see that there is something greater than just what this earth has to offer. And C.S. Lewis says that hope is one of the theological virtues this means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things that a Christian is meant to do. And so I want to encourage you today that you can take this message of hope and apply it to the things that are happening around you, and I would encourage you to do that. But also that you can be encouraged that as a Christian, you are meant to look to eternity. You are meant to look to being forever with your Father in heaven. And so what does it look like to live like that? Like, what does it look like to be able to have the hope of eternity and the hope of a promise of beyond this life? There's an amazing story about a man called Horatio Spafford um, that I want to end with this morning um, and, and that I'd love Rick just to come up and, and that we can respond to. Uh, but Horatio Spafford, he was a lawyer and a senior partner in a, in a law firm in Chicago in the late 1800s. And um, he was a well-off man. He had a lot of investments. He was a Christian man. Um, and in the Great Fire of Chicago in the late 1800s, he lost everything, all of his business interests, his properties, um, everything, that, everything that he had on earth. His earthly possessions were gone. Um, and so to set up a new life, he, he sent his family, his wife and his four daughters, um, he sent them on a ship um, to go to Europe, and he would follow them in a few weeks later to set up a new life. Um, and on that journey, um, there was an accident, and the ship went under, um, and he didn't know what the outcome was, and he got a letter, a telegram a few weeks later, um, and it was from his wife, uh, and all it said was, saved alone. Um, and he lost his four daughters in that accident. Um, and so he, to be reunited with his wife and to start this new life, he got on a ship himself to go over to Europe. And it's on that journey that a man who lost all of his earthly possessions and had lost not one but two but four of his children in one accident was able to write the well-known hymn that we sing and will sing today, It Is Well With My Soul. And I would love just to read through this morning the lyrics before we actually sing them with Rick. And just to listen to these words in context of difficulty that this man had been through. And it gives us a little clue what it's like to live with the hope of Jesus Christ in our life. And that whatever you're going through at the moment, 
that God is able to help you endure, but he's also able to give you a promise of eternity. And so the, the lyrics of the hymn say, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And though Satan should buffet, through trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pain shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. What amazing words to consider of somebody who's been through probably the worst things that we, we could imagine could happen on earth. But there was something that Horatio Spafford understood of the hope of God that enabled him to write this despite the external environment around him being chaotic and pulling him down and the world telling him that there was no more hope for him. But he realized that in Jesus, there is something different, that there's an anchoring to his soul, that there's a weight to his hope, that it is a living hope that doesn't just give him the ability to endure difficult things in this life, but it is able to transcend into eternity. That even though his life may be challenging after this, he has the hope of glory to know his Father in heaven. And my prayer for Olive Tree Church today and for everybody in this community and your families as we spend time together over Christmas is that in 12 months' time, we stand here next December. I, I don't know what we're gonna go through in 2022. I don't know if COVID is gonna get better. I don't know if your business is gonna make it. I, I don't know what the outcome's gonna be. But my prayer for you is that you start to understand that the hope in Jesus Christ is the only thing that we have. It's the only certainty that we have and it's the anchor to our souls. And my prayer is that this time next year, we would stand here despite what we've been through, what, despite what 2022 throws us, we're able to come together this time next year and worship and say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul because of you, Christ. Because you have lived the life of perfection and died the death that I should have and given me the hope of eternity. And so as we just pray and close this morning and as we sing this hymn, I just ask you to lay down 2021 before God and just say, Lord, I let it go. I let go. What pain I've been through, what difficulty I've been through. And I ask that you set my heart on hope that is real and a hope that can carry me through that is not misplaced and not misaligned, but a hope that is on you. And so Father, I... Thank you this morning for this time together. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the hope of the world. I thank you, God, that you came into brokenness to be our answer, to be our anchor, and to be a living hope. I thank you, Jesus, that you have seen everything that every person watching today has been through this year. I thank you that you care. I thank you that you are a God whose heart is inclined towards us. I thank you that you are redeeming us, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that you would bring a renewed hope and a living hope to every person, Father God. I pray, Lord, that 2022 would look different, maybe not on the outside, but within our soul and within the way that we relate and connect to you, God, that we would have an anchoring so deep that you changed our faith in this season. And that in years to come, God, we are to look back and say that during that pandemic, God did something significant in my soul. 
And Father, we worship you this morning, God. Lord, I trust for a remarkable work in our hearts this morning, that we would be reminded of your hope. And as we go into this week of celebrating your birth, we would celebrate that we have hope, God. And that this, this story of Christmas was the beginning of the event that brings us an ultimate belief, God, that we will have an eternity with you. And so, Father, we thank you for the service this morning. I thank you for this opportunity just to worship now. Just pray, God, that you would speak to us. Amen.